Welcome back, everyone. This is Jeffrey Amroach, and I'm excited to be here with you as we add up health up and transform healthcare through innovative education and workforce conversations. I'm truly excited today as we have Pierre Moniz, a high energy relational leader with a passion for inspiring people to reach high levels personally and professionally. In his early years, he was classically trained as a violinist and traveled the country with a highly skilled youth symphony. Pierre has experienced great professional success over the years. At 21 years old, he served as a senior pastor and provided leadership as the church grew and impacted the local community. After completing an MBA, Pierre joined an administrative fellowship program for a major healthcare system. He matriculated within eight years to become the chief operating officer for a 400-bed hospital. Currently serving as president for a large hospital in the Chicago area, Pierre is instrumental in collaborating with high-powered executives to positively impact the health and well-being of colleagues and communities. Pierre's mission is to help you enhance your leadership journey by sharing his experiences. Both his successes and failures have allowed him the opportunity to share his unique story to motivate and inspire people from all walks of life. Pierre, it's so good to have you here with us on Ed Up Health Up. I know we've been working to schedule this for quite some time. Um, you are uh, certainly, uh, in many ways, a breath of fresh air when we think of healthcare leadership. Uh, you also are an author. Um, and so for, for all of our guests and listeners, uh, check out, obviously, Pierre's work uh, in his first book called 21 Ways to Effective Leadership. But Pierre, you have written, you regularly speak on these topics. Uh, I want to just ask you to talk to us a little bit more about, about you, what brought you into healthcare, and certainly, uh, you know, why you're so passionate about leadership. Yeah, no, super, been very, very excited by this conversation. You know, when we could talk about leadership and life, it's, it's, it's always inspiring and uplifting for myself and happy to share. Uh, but to, to be honest, you know, I tell people all the time I fell into healthcare. Um, you know, even to this day, I can't stand blood or needles. Um, but my uh, father being a physician, my mom working in finance, um, really gravitated to healthcare, uh, just the mission of helping others uh, and just knowing that I may not touch a scalpel or a stethoscope, but I can, you know, empower people from a leadership standpoint, reaching their goals and strategize on how we can make things better. And that's a little bit of what I do today um, at the hospital here. I serve here at uh, McNeil here in the Chicagoland area, but also leadership development. You know, really understanding that leadership is not just about what you do, but what you can help others to accomplish. That's awesome. I mean, so when you say, obviously, you you fell into it, uh, let's unpack that a little bit, right? Because you, um, so obviously, you traveled the, traveled the country as a violinist, um, but then you became a pastor. And, you know, when I think about it, um, I mean, being a pastor, there's so much that's an important experience that sets you up to be a very different type of leader uh service uh you know you obviously probably think of service top and foremost um and you know i know you write often on so many aspects and attributes of leadership uh, what have you found uh, having been a pastor you know coming into being you know the top leader of an organization how has that served you differently would you say than when you look at others that are in this role yeah. Yeah. Great question. You know, and I, I'll add a caveat to that question is I was a senior pastor at such a young age. So I was 21 years old and I tell people often, you know, if you want to know how much I knew about leadership at, at that time, just close your eyes. Right. And what do you see? Nothing. I knew nothing about leadership. But early on, I realized to be effective, even as a church pastor, I had to surround myself 
with, you know, um, highly skilled individuals, very experienced individuals. And leadership, I learned early on, was it's more listening than speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so although I may be up every weekend speaking to my congregation, during the week, I'm spending six days listening. Um, and then my effective sermons, my effective meetings came as a result of listening. So fast forward and move into my healthcare journey of leading. I'm doing a lot of listening. I'm not, I may kick off a meeting with a few high remarks, but I need to listen to the clinicians around the table, the frontline staff members in the hallway. And when I, the more I listen and then take time to synthesize, I'm able to help the team accomplish great things because they have the expertise. I'm just putting it all together. You know, there, there's something incredibly powerful about that, right? Because you 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 come out and say, first and foremost, one of the values and skills you learned was listening. And uh, for those of us that have served in healthcare, I'm not so sure we can often say we've worked or served with leaders that actually intentionally and actively listen. Um, in fact, when we look at a lot of surveys and and uh, even performance, uh, you know, organizational uh, reviews, We'll regularly see, you know, when people say, does my leader listen uh, to me or do they hear my concerns? They generally score pretty low. I'm curious, you know, when you look at your time in healthcare, why do you think there's so many leaders? And it's not just healthcare, other industries too. But but I always say, I mean, leadership starts with an L for a reason, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot of things you could say, but I always say it's, to me, it's listening and learning. Uh, I always say that's why it starts with an L. But I'm curious, why do you think we're at a time in healthcare, particularly, where so many people will report that their leader just doesn't listen? Yeah, you know, I think that you know, as we look at our society being such, you know, such so bombarded with technology, we become a very selfish culture, right? It's all about our accolades, what we can do, um, and that's countercultural to the essence of leadership. Um, and, and that's why I wrote a book. And as I in, my, in the book I wrote, 21 Ways to Effective Leadership, it literally each chapter takes what has historically been the term soft skills. Um, and I say, let me flip that paradigm. The old soft skills are today's people skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and to get ahead, you know, things like tr- uh, trust and integrity and communication. Uh, people say, oh, yeah, yeah, you can do those things. But can you work a spreadsheet? Can you, you know, uh, f- figure out the bottom line? Those are important. Don't get me wrong. But if you don't have the people skills and flex those muscles and work those out regularly, you lose people and then you're no longer leading. Yep. Pierre, you write a newsletter uh, and I, you know, I get it every every week and um, I'm always inspired by it. And I notice there's a thread in there pretty consistently. Mentorship. Uh, it's also something I see, you know, you also write about uh, in your blog and, and talk about uh, in your work. Can you talk about was there a mentor uh, or have there been mentors in your life uh, in healthcare and even before healthcare that that helped you realize the importance and, and really the, the power of mentorship? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I've had mentors for different parts of my life and I still do um, kind of <clears throat> growing up, you know, um, you know, as a as a church leader, you know, having youth pastors pour into me then moving into healthcare, having, you know, leaders who kind of been where I was trying to go really pour into me. And honestly, if it wasn't for a lot of those mentorship opportunities, you know, they were able to see things that I could even see in myself um, and times where I wanted to be vulnerable 
sometimes you can't ask the people around your board table uh, for for real, true, authentic feedback. I can go to my mentor saying, hey, I'm struggling with this decision or I'm not sure which direction to go. Um, and, and and they were always uh, very, very open to share really good, great feedback. And I try to give the same thing as well. So I have intern students that work with me directly. I try to mentor in an organization in an in official capacity and unofficial capacity because I think when you mentor, it's always a two-way street. I'm learning as much um, as they are learning as well. And, you know, if it's not for mentorship, literally, I don't know where I'll be today. That's powerful. How have you, as a as an executive, embedded mentorship into your organization? Yeah, well, number one, I try to practice what I preach, you know. Um, so, you know, most recently, not only have, you know, we talked about partnering with different universities and schools, you know, I served as a preceptor, you know, I mm -hmm. took on two students that they didn't report to another leader. They reported to me. Um, I you know, so I did their evals and whatnot. And I brought them into meetings and I wanted to model that behavior saying, I know we're all busy, but guess what? You know, this could be a blessing in disguise, right? You get someone not just do grunt work, right? But someone that you could, you could learn off of, you could teach and also be an extension of you. Um, and then within the organization, when we look at, you know, in healthcare and like many industries, we're dealing with a labor crisis, yeah. you know, and people are wanting, you know, more balance, right? They want wellness and health and wellness to be a priority. They want more pay for the work they're doing. Um, so we've looked at ways in which how can we grow people on different, you know, learning ladders, right? Um, you may have starting a position that instead of waiting two, three years for a raise, let's give individuals an opportunity to, to go every six months, every couple months where they can learn and grow. And then we can help uh, sharpen their toolkit. So we've done some really, really strategic things around that. And then we've also um, partnered with um, high schools and middle schools to expose them to healthcare mm -hmm. careers so we could strengthen the pipeline, but we also give back to our community. Yeah, well, and there's also something really important about that too, right, is that you're showing those students that they could be the next peer. And I think that that's really, really, really important, especially serving, uh, obviously, in a place like Chicago. And and um, the, the reality of it is in healthcare is we need more people like you. Uh, we've got to have leaders who really value mentorship, uh, who really truly understand that the future are, are the youth. Um, and we've got to give them uh, that access and opportunity. I want to dig a little um, into, you know, obviously there, there's another topic that I see you also regularly write about. And it's something I've also seen on your website. And, and you even first talked about it during early on in the pandemic, but it's still something we're really even in healthcare wrestling with today, which is this idea of culture uh, and the more remote environment. Uh, and, you know, I want to ask you to kind of share your thoughts on this because we know leading, uh, you know, has changed in many ways. I mean, in, in some ways, you know, leading remotely, uh, leading a hybrid culture, uh, even in healthcare, people are still in some cases, if they're non-clinical remote, uh, depending on the organization, you know, what tips and, and guidance would you give uh, around around those types of environments? Oh, man, that's that's, that's another good one. Um, I, I definitely, you know, before I even go into that, I got to share, you know, I, I learned a lot about myself during the pandemic. You know, uh, I literally found myself during the pandemic uh, with two, two months before in a new job, in a new city, in a new apartment uh, right before the world shut down. So when wow. you talk about, you know, transition, life in transition, it was just like, whoa, 
And then I was in a job where I was traveling throughout the Midwest, but then everything was on a computer screen. So I was leading, you know, a team over four states, spread around 13 different hospitals. And all I had was a screen and the camera. Oh, my gosh. So so a lot of it was learning. You know, I had, you know, my, my core team didn't even live in Chicago. You know, they lived in other states, like my core, core team. Um, but number one, you know, I, I, I just said, you know what, let's let me do everything possible to be relational. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was easy to start a meeting at two o'clock and go jump right into the agenda. But we built time for connection for connection. Mm-hmm. So we ensure that, hey, before we as we start the meeting, you know, since you don't have the cooler talk or you don't stop at the coffee maker, um, you say, how's everybody doing? Yeah. Are you above the line, below the line? Hey, what's going on? Or how, you know, how's your family doing? You know, I know, you know, hey, show me, your, your dog, your cat may be running around, put them on the screen, right? We want to see your your pets, you know, um, and, and give people some space, right? So, you know what, we would love to see your camera on, but you know what, we have a 50%, 75%, you know, policy, if you will, where you're allowed to have your camera off, right? Um, but when we need your camera on, we'll We'll, we'll put it in the meeting notes ahead of time. So yeah. give people some some space. Um, and then also just understand balance, balance, because working remote, you know, you could easily, you know, from the crack of dawn to the end of night say, you know what, we're not going to have meetings in this kind of um, no man's land before a certain time. And we're going to make a promise to end at a certain time and say disconnect, disconnect, be with your loved ones, be with your family and make time for you. How do you do that, though, you know, truly in healthcare, right? I mean, because for some people, it's so challenging. I mean, I think of our nurses and I think of our, you know, respiratory therapists and I think of people in the lab. I mean, especially clinical, but even, you know, even when you're in other critical roles like housekeeping and stuff, it can be really hard depending on your shifts. You know, what advice and what do you do to kind of walk the walk and talk the talk, uh, you know, within your organization to help them realize that mind, body, spirit is so important? Yeah, you know, we're, all, we're, we're we're human at the end of the day. No one could truly work the hospital 24-7, but no one could work for 24-7. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes we got to realize we got to make some tough decisions because we have to be realistic. We would love to have all our beds open and all the units humming. We'd like to have staff everywhere. But sometimes we have to, you know, really uh, um, fixate the business to where the volume is and say, you know what, we would love to have things open five days a week, but the people need a break. Um, and, and obviously sometimes from a financial standpoint, that's always a rub, but you know, um, our, our, our most valuable resource are human resources. So uh, we've had to make some tough decisions, but I think it's been the right decision as we put people first. Yeah. And it, and it's such an important element, right? Cause you're talking about human centeredness and oftentimes, even though we're, you know, in an industry that is all about taking care of people, we haven't always done the best to take care of our own staff. And, and what you're talking about there is so critical. Pierre, you are are writing another book. Uh, and, you know, I, I was captured when I when I saw this because it 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 kind of speaks to the fact. And, and I want to you know, I want to call out folks like Scott Becker, uh, because, you know, people like Scott Becker got to pay attention right in Chicago. Uh, you know, Scott needs to realize he's got uh, probably one of the best hospital leaders when it comes to leadership and personal development right in his backyard. Um, and so Scott, you know, when you listen to this, you're, you're going to hear it. But but the reason I say that is, is this book, uh, like a lot of what you write about, speaks to your passion uh, of helping people. 
And, and it's no, you know, it's no shock when I first learned how you were a pastor, um, because, you know, the, the very idea uh, of a pastor uh, is to help people. Um, and, you know, it's interesting when I served at my uh, first healthcare system, our CIO was a pastor and um, was actually a pastor when he was our CIO. And in fact, uh, did his bachelor's program uh, in theology while he was the CIO. And people always say, "What? why is the CIO doing this? And he said, hey, hey, like, you know, we're God people too, just because we're <laughs> in the numbers, like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> but but interestingly enough, your next book is, is called, um, If You're Interviewing, and need the steps to crush your next interview, and I know it's uh, I know it's coming soon. W- what made you want to write that book? Man, you know, um, at first I appreciate the shout out and and yeah, to, to, totally humble and, and appreciate um, you know the opportunity to share. Um, but to be honest, you know, we're in a society where you know many people find themselves at a crux in their careers regularly. Right. Gone are the days someone sits in one career and or one company and they're and they're, you know, done and that's it. And nothing wrong with that even to this day. But I realize that we often don't get coached and we don't we don't get the opportunity to practice, you know, interviewing skills. Um, and someone's interview is an opportunity for them to provide for their families, to make or break the next couple of years of their lives. And being a former HR executive and gone through so many, you know, literally I've gone through, you know, four different career tracks in my in my life. And I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to be when I grow up some days. Um, but I realized that giving people practical tips and, and, and skills um, is something that, will, that they could keep with them in their toolkit for the rest of their lives. And the better they could be at interviewing and relaying themselves in a 20 or 35 minute um, interaction, I think that could set them up for, for success. Yeah, I, I, you know, it, and, and to your point, the other piece that's so critical, and, and I see you write about this all the time, is, and I want to also ask you to, to delve into this is, is you regularly talk about and write about that people matter. Uh, and you wrote an article, uh, contributed to an article uh, back in 2021, while we were in the midst of uh, really the crisis uh, and let me just add that we were in the midst of of a time where we didn't have a whole lot of leadership coming uh, from various levels of government. Um, and so our healthcare leaders really were the leaders uh, on the front lines, making decisions without a lot of help from government, if we want to be quite honest. But the reality is, you wrote in there, in addition to the innovative thinking needed in healthcare and various other industries, there is a common theme that cannot be overlooked. People matter. Dare I say, the engagement and well-being of our employees matter now more than ever. And you know, you wrote that at such an interesting point in time. But many would say, "Wow, that's so real today too." And and the reality of it is, is every day it seems that our culture uh, and our environment in healthcare is getting even a bit more challenged. And um, I regularly say, and I get in trouble sometimes, that that maybe it's because we have leaders who just don't care. Uh, maybe we have leaders who don't tell their people that they matter, and you can't tell them if you don't practice it. And you know, so I want to ask you to kind of unpack this because it's such an important point, and I know it's something that you authentically really talk about um, and have done not just in your healthcare career, but obviously, uh, you know, throughout your life. What made you really be so passionate about that? Oh man, you know, I would definitely have to say, you know, there were times growing up. <laughs> where I struggle with the concept of significance, 
Hmm. My parents were loving, you know, they believed in me, but either I had a teacher that I had a bad assignment or, you know, I raised my hand. I didn't say the most intelligent thing and I didn't feel like I mattered. But the moments in my life where I really felt like I was on cloud nine, I was in my groove, was when I knew I had somebody in my corner that saw something significant in me. Fast forward, I get into high school coaching. I was coaching basketball. I did that for 12 years. Mm-hmm. And and there were years and teams I would have <clears throat> that was not only is, was it about the words being spoken to them, when the players truly understood that they had potential and they mattered and had significance, they played at an all-star level. Um, and sometimes you, you hear that in even professional sports where someone's mentality is different, right? The Kobe Bryant, the Michael Jordan, it's their mindset. So not just confidence, but they understand that what they do matters. So I truly believe that in the work environment and in communities, we have to we we have to play pay attention to how do we make people feel? How do we make them feel significant? And even when they do make mistakes, how do we coach them in love? How do we say, you know what, it's okay. You know, you're going to make mistakes, but let me push you forward so you can get better. Um, nothing good happens when you put someone down, but great things can happen when you help them learn and push them up. Oh, I love that. You know, it it's so interesting because uh, Dr. Vivek Murthy put out last year uh, the Surgeon General's uh, mental health framework. And one of the things in there that he talks about is obviously this idea of psychological safety. Um, But within that, he talks about creating a sense of belonging. And um, I am not so sure many organizations have truly built and maintained really a sense of belonging for everybody. And when you think about it, it, it's not easy, right? I mean, the idea is you got to build community. Mm -hmm. uh, You got to build trust, which I know trust is another topic that you regularly uh, oftentimes speak and write about. Um, when you look at uh, the work you've done in this space, what what really uh, does a sense of belonging mean to you, and 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 how can you really make sure that 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 it's not just a sense, but that people are feeling it? Yeah, you know. So here's a coach in me, and the and the musician to me. Um, you get the results that you practice and you exercise regularly. So when I when I look about you know belongingness and people to show allowing people to show as their authentic self, I have to game plan for it. I have to strategize for it. I do. I have time on my calendar where I'm strategizing. Oh, what can I do to enhance the culture, not just in my office, you know, the executive suite, but my campus and my community, you know. So do things like how do we recognize birthdays? You know, there's some people who say, you know, no, don't do anything for my birthday. It's okay. But guess what? Pierre doesn't care. We're going to celebrate your birthday because that's the day you were born. Now, we're not going to, you know, we're, we're not going to make them feel super uncomfortable, but we want them to know you matter. You know, someone had a, a life, a big life achievement. We're going to celebrate that, you know, and someone has a negative moment that happened in their life. We'll say, you know what? Take as much time as you need. We're here for you. Um, but those intentional, intentional points of life. We have to understand that whether it's healthcare or not healthcare, life happens. And when you give people space to be human and say, no, it's okay. It's the first day of school. You could come in late. You know, you, you're it's okay. But make sure you show me those first day of school pictures because we want to see how adorable your kids are. Uh, when you're able to have that conversation as an ex- senior executive, it creates that tone in the organization that 
wow, they see me as an individual. Yeah. You, uh, Pierre, have also been a varsity basketball coach. And uh, so, you know, we, we want to hear, do you know your win-loss record? <laughs> uh, I don't know it offhand. I don't know if offhand, but I've definitely won five you know, national championships. I do remember that. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. So I want to talk a little bit about that, though, because, uh, you know, many people and, and, you know, and I've even seen you write on this, too, this idea of leaders as a coach. Um, and uh, leadership, you know, requires a lot of adaptation. Uh, but but one of the things that uh, I get a sense from you is is you a leader should never falter uh, when it comes to coaching. But it's interesting because when I look across healthcare, so much of the area that I think also needs so much coaching is the area of human resources. Uh, and I want to just ask you, like when you, I mean, you've been a chief human resource officer. Uh, you understand, you know, that it's a critical role, an important role, but but so many people say, who are they there to protect or who are they there for, the employer or the employee? What are your thoughts on how do we move this model? Because people are leaving in this industry uh, for so much on culture. And what do we do to keep them? Yeah, I'll dare to say, you know, the organization is nothing but the employees, right? So you could tear down the building, but the people are there. Um, so I'm going to say that boldly. Um, and and the people strategy has to be at the forefront. It has to be. You know, most recently, you know, I was in a meeting and someone said, hey, what do you do? Um, actually, I was, I was a guest lecturing at a university. I said, what do you do when you have someone that's super skilled, but they have a bad attitude and they're toxic for your culture? And I didn't have to, I didn't even hesitate. I said, we got to practice what we preach. We have to do what's best for the culture. Right. We coach that individual or we help that person find happiness elsewhere. Um, and you, we have to have that bold take on it. And from a coaching perspective, that was the same thing as a basketball coach is that we're coaching individuals. But guess what? That team chemistry is so vital. And if you don't have that chemistry, you're not going to win championships. And I think when it comes to leadership, uh, we're competing every single day with the labor market, with, with, the, with the forces that we can't control. So we have to put culture at the forefront. Here, you um, were in leadership roles at a very young age, but you also became a president uh, at a very young age. Generational culture in healthcare is also a very real issue. What was it like, uh, I'm sure, leading an executive team, in many cases, probably older than you, uh, and maybe even to this day? But you know, how have you navigated that? Because I know for some younger leaders in healthcare, uh, they will still say, I don't really get my fair shot, uh, which is, you know, sad when you hear that. Um, what are your thoughts on that? What's your experience been like? Yeah, I'll, I'll have to say I've been extremely fortunate. You know, I've been in, in, in situations and coached with teams of individuals that allowed me to be myself. Um, you know, and I guess it started early on as a pastor where I had to know who I was and what I believed in. So, you know, so when I sit around the table with different generations, you know, um, that are on my team, you know, that support me, that report to me, uh, that we work together, I, I could be me. You know, I have no problem saying, hey, these are the things that I really enjoy doing. <laughs> and these are the things I don't enjoy doing. So can you guys help me out with this stuff right here? Um, and when it comes to these things, hey, I could fly all day long. Um, so when I'm able to show and be vulnerable, um, and honestly, I think it's a lot of fun. 
diversity and generation it's, it's it's fun you know now when they make the jokes about different songs from different generations i have no no input on that uh, but we're able to say you know what we've seen this before back when we used to do x y and z but maybe we need to tweak that a little bit to today i'm like oh tell me more i never experienced that um let's try to bring certain things back you know in order for us to move forward so i've really embraced it you know, and there are times when I could tell that there may have been a divide in understanding. And then I I, I ensure that I took some time away and say, you know what, let's have an offline conversation. You know, so maybe, you know, it wouldn't be the right the right forum to speak and hatch out differences in a large group. But let me have some one on one conversations so we could both get to know each other so that we can move forward. Yeah. You know, we're, we're just about coming up on time, but I want to ask you one, you know, one other uh, thing. When I uh, I was taking a look at uh, book reviews and uh, one of the uh, an individual that read your book uh, said that it that it inspired them to think further on, on how they could help other team members. Um, and I regularly see you talk uh, about this uh, as well. Um, just share with us. You know, when you look at uh, what can a leader do to really support, empower, encourage a high performing team, what does that look like for Pierre? For me, it's, it's consistency and being positive. You know, you have to show up. You know, I lived in Orlando, Florida for years, the land of, you know, uh, Disney. Um, and as a leader, we're, we're on stage a lot. We're on stage. And regardless of what's going on in the background and noise, let's never, you know, stop being consistent with positivity. Let's never stop being consistent, you know, with making others feel valued. And when you do that, you're going to see the return in someone who's going to really go backwards and forwards for the organization. And they're going to want to stay with you because they know that you care about them. That's awesome. Pierre, I want to ask you, where can individuals find you, connect with you, learn more about not just your amazing work, but really your inspiration that you have for all for all of this? Yeah, I would love to connect. You know, um, I'm on most social media platforms. LinkedIn is a big one. Pierre Moniz. Um, and then my website, you know, PierreInspires.com. Love to connect and learn more and uh, really look, uh, really appreciate this conversation. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. No. And and I do, too. And, and thank you, obviously, for your weekly inspiration. Uh, and all the work that you do. I think uh, your healthcare system is fortunate to have uh, a leader like you. And and uh, hopefully uh, we can see more leaders like you uh, because we, we really need it uh, in every industry, but especially especially in healthcare. So thank you for thank you for joining us here. And I want to uh, encourage our listeners, check out Pierre's book, uh, check out his upcoming book, uh, certainly connect with him and sign up for his newsletter because I, I, I assure you, you will not only be inspired, but you will be motivated uh, to want to see where you have an opportunity to have a larger impact uh, as a leader. And, and remember, leader is not a title. Uh, leader can be anybody uh, who wants to have an opportunity to influence. And so, uh, Pierre, thank you so much uh, for your thank time. You. And thank you for all that you do. Thank you. It's been great. I appreciate you. You're so welcome.